0: You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys
0: and girls. The
1: House of
0: Cards.
2: Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player, Ashley
3: Adams. Okay, we have some skill. Hello, listeners. Welcome to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, and we have... A great hour. I, I got to say, you know, people think I'm articulate, but I got to tell you, we have on the media relations director of William Hill. William Hill is the largest, I think, the largest bookmaker in the world. They're based in the United Kingdom, but they also have uh, betting shops in Nevada and other places around the world. The guy that uh, is their media relations director, Graham Sharp, is going to come on to talk about them but also about his new book about William Hill. It's called William Hill, the Man and the Business, and Graham is also an extraordinarily articulate and interesting guy. And then we have a guy who has invented a game that has been brought to a casino. His name is Ben Kowalski. He has invented Go For It and we're going to talk to him about the process of inventing a game and uh, how you can make money at it. So stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break.
2: Dave here from House of Cards. Well, it's finally here. It's opening week of the NFL regular season and last chance to join FanDuel.com before opening weekend. Look, everyone's doing fantasy football, so you might as well do it with the best. That's FanDuel.com. It's not just for huge sports nuts. This is for every fan. Anyone and everyone can play on FanDuel. FanDuel is a leader in Week 1 fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They are paying out over $75 million a week this football season. And building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1, so anyone can play. Look, I love building a team, and with FanDuel, I get to do it every week. That means more chances to win. So, have you built your team for week one yet? Let me know who's on your squad on Twitter at HOC Radio and use the hashtag FanDuel is back. That's all one word. Hashtag FanDuelIsBack. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use my code HOC and sign up now. Now there's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to 200 bucks. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code HOC today, so don't forget to use my code HOC. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today using my code H-O-C. The key to winning poker is knowledge. And winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. Cash games, small tournaments, whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win. Winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know, it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get Winning, No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Check out their website, JerseyManMagazine.com, for more information and some really cool JerseyMan merchandise. JerseyMan's available at most major newsstands and you can even subscribe online. That's JerseyManMagazine.com. JerseyMan Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. This is the House of
0: You got to gamble to win, boys and girls. With Ashley Adams. Hold it! Is that the king?
3: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And uh, around the United States. If you've been paying attention, you've noticed we often have uh, lots of debates and legislation about whether to allow in large casinos or not. And I've often said that the model that makes sense the most to me is what they do in the United Kingdom, uh, that they have lots of bookmakers legally opening shops all over the place, a much smaller model, uh, but more widespread. We have an expert on British gambling and specifically on the guy and the company – that was the largest bookmaker in the United Kingdom, a guy named William Hill. The person we have on to talk about it is Graham Sharp. He is the media relations director for William Hill, and he has just written a book called William Hill, The Man and the Business. So without any further delay, I'd like to introduce Graham Sharp. Graham, are you there?
4: I am here, and I'm very well, and I trust you. are.
3: Great, well tell our listeners a little bit about your background in gambling. You have quite an extensive background from what I understand.
4: Yes, uh, I do, but William Hill um, was celebrating its 80th anniversary last year, and that's the reason I was asked to write the book. And I've been with the company for more than half of that time. I've I've worked uh, for William Hill for 40-plus years, um, so I was probably uh, in the right place at the right time to write the official book about the company, whose founder um, is recognised in today's name. He was born William Hill in 1903 in one of Britain's second or third cities. You'd probably call it Birmingham. Yes. Or you probably know it as Birmingham. (laughs) Uh, That's right. And he he was one of a dozen siblings, um, and he didn't like the job that his father decided uh, he was going to try and persuade him to do in a big factory. And he started to uh, offer the people that worked in that factory the opportunity to place bets with him. And at that point, he was only uh, a teenager, and um, he showed an aptitude for persuading people to part with their money, and um, very soon decided that a better place to do that than the factory he was working in would be the race course. And he went out um, onto the race course and became a a race course bookmaker, gradually built up his business, um, losing his money on a number of occasions, but coming back and having another go. And then finally, he felt he was ready to move to the big city of London, which he did uh, and opened his first office there in 1934. So that's the the date from which we, um, which we uh, record the time for, for which the company has been in existence. And at that time, there was William Hill and one clerk working for him, so there were just two of them at the company. Today, we employ some 17,000 people and uh, exist in nine countries, including America, where we have a presence in Nevada, and uh, only this weekend were the sponsors... Of the big race that American Pharaoh won, the, um, the Haskell Indians, the invitation or um, Haskell, the Haskell, yeah, at um, Monmouth Park, to which I was pleased to be able to, to go a few years ago when they had the Breeders' Cup there.
3: Well, this is all fascinating to me. Can you tell us about the legality of gambling in the United Kingdom? I, yes. Because I'm fascinated to know if he started out as an illegal bookmaker or was that something legal and was it always legal or did the law change to allow bookmaking in public places?
4: Well, although our system seems liberated to some countries, um, it has its peculiarities. And it's it's always been legal for people to bet at a race course uh, with bookmakers. Um, It's been legal for people to bet with bookmakers via the telephone for many, many years. It wasn't legal for people to bet in cash with bookmakers or to send them cash through the post until in 1961, uh, the government decided to legalise cash betting in betting shops, and betting shops were legalised in Britain on May first, 1961, so have been around now for 50-odd years, 54 years, in fact. And now, um, at, at the peak of the industry in the late 70s, there were about 15,000 betting shops in this country. Today, there is just over half of that number, around about eight to 9,000. In existence, And at the moment, William Hill own 2,350 or 60 of those shops and are currently the biggest bookmakers in, in Britain.
3: So these shops, and I've seen them in the United Kingdom, I've seen them in London, um, mm-hmm. they are in addition to the casinos, the the small, the private clubs that have gambling, or is they all part of the same mix?
4: No, not really. There, there aren't that many casinos uh, here. Um, and most of them don't have what you would call a sports book, you know, as, as in the, the Vegas casinos. So most traditional betting, which tends to be on horse racing um, or soccer, um, are other major sporting events that's carried out in the betting shops. But also now, of course, um, younger customers have grown up with computers and, and a lot of them prefer to bet online, uh, which they can equally do. Um, with the bookmakers, but there's still um, a very big business um, through the betting shops because, of course, a lot of our customers who are now middle-aged aren't so computer savvy and also prefer to bet in and receive cash when they back a winner. So in a betting shop, you can have a bet on absolutely anything from a soap opera on the television through the major sporting events to, for example, and we have a little topical story today, the, the American presidential election where... Today we're telling the story of one of our clients who has placed 17 bets on Donald Trump to win the presidential <laughs> election, and for an outlay of three thousand three hundred eighty-seven dollars, he's he's placed bets on Trump winning the nomination for the Republicans and reaching the White House. It stands to win sixty-eight thousand six hundred sixty-seven dollars profit, and it's a matter of complete and utter bewilderment to us that people can't bet on the outcome of the U.S. presidential election in the U.S. of A.
3: We will be back after a quick timeout.
0: Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order.
2: You're listening to the House of Cards.
1: How lucky you are.
2: With Ashley
1: Adams. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Who the hell do you think you are?
3: Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, and you are listening to House of Cards. Uh, Listeners, just so you're uh, brought up to speed, those of you that just tuned in, we're talking with Graham Sharp, who is the media relations director of William Hill and also the author of uh, William Hill, The Man and the Business. I agree. It it baffles me. It doesn't really baffle me. It disappoints me. I understand why it dates back to uh, the blue laws when certain things were outlawed because they weren't good for us. But what I'm curious to know is, uh, you work for William Hill. There must be studies that show how having uh, gambling shops set up almost uh, ubiquitously in the United Kingdom doesn't lead to problem gambling because uh, that that's the argument that you hear in the United States. Oh, if they open up a casino, it will lead to problem gambling, and I've often said – well, why don't we just have a lot of places where people can place all sorts of bets so it's not such a big deal, and maybe there aren't slot machines, but you could still bet on a sporting event?
4: Well, in fact, there are machines in, in betting shops now. Uh, they have been for, for several years. Um, I think there's an element that if something is familiar to you and part of the high street, it takes away um, the attraction of the unknown, which can sometimes tempt people into Situations that they might not be fit to handle. Uh, of course, uh, unfortunately, there are a proportion of people um, who have a, addictive personalities who, you know, might uh, might find a problem. I think the it's generally accepted that the rate of of problem gambling and, and the word problem is is very difficult to define to so everybody's satisfaction is around about 0.6 percent, and all of our shops have advice. Uh, available for anybody that feels they may have a problem and they, they can self-exclude themselves from the betting shops if, if they think that's the best course of action for them. So we're, we're aware of our responsibility uh, in that direction. Uh, but by and large, the over 99% of people accept betting shops as part of the scene and in the same way that we probably all know somebody that would, that would go into a drinking situation and overindulge um, you know, the majority of people can cope with it and, and do so very responsibly.
3: Do you have the ability to hook up with American racetracks? Can people in England bet uh, at Saratoga or the Kentucky Derby or anything like that? Or do they yeah. only have domestic races? Oh, oh yes. Wow. No,
4: we have, um, in, fact, in fact, we even have a free-to-air channel here called At the Races, which shows a lot of foreign racing in the evening when the British... Racing has finished, and overnight they'll show a lot of the, the the tracks from the states. And certainly, you know, if you want to bet on the the, the Breeders' Cup um, and the Kentucky Derby and the you know the Triple Crown, we 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 were as fascinated by American Pharoah as any American um, punters. You know, because we could watch the races over here and uh, the Preakness and the Belmont. They're all a, they're all a pretty big deal over here. And r- racing is a is a global sport, I think. And people do follow it uh, abroad. Obviously, our bread and butter is what goes on in the in the British racing. But there's, um, I was over for the, for the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita uh, last November, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And there was there was a very big betting turnover in you know, in Britain on those those races. And of course, Frankie Dettori won one of them, which was uh, good news for me because I backed him.
3: I want to get to a book that you wrote a while ago and a poker hand story. But before I do, I had some questions about the uh, the connection between your company and American gambling. I'm wondering if you know, uh-huh. relatively speaking, what the volume is of the handle from William Hill compared to the handle in the United States for, like, let's say, the Kentucky Derby. What percentage of the amount of money that's wagered at the Kentucky Derby is money that you are forwarding there. Is it 1%? Is it 50%? It, what is it? Do you know?
4: I don't know specifically. I haven't asked that question um, of our of our traders, but I, I would suspect that partly because of the fact that the races in the States are not run at the most user-friendly times for us. Um, you know, you, you have to take a decision to stay up fairly late in the day to, to watch the race over here. So you're not going to appeal to the mass market. Um, I would say we, we would handle over here a relatively small amount of money, but obviously we have our, our presence in Nevada as well and in the sports books where we we do uh, a lively trade as well. But a, lo- a lot of um, our higher rolling customers would, would be interested in it. But um, in terms of the overall Handle as you say, we would be a relatively small percentage just because of the fact that we we don't have as big a pres- presence over there. Um, and uh, but you know, when you get horses like Zenyatta um, that, that capture the imagination, then they do that over here as well. And a lot of people will have a small token bet because they're going to watch the race, but not quite as much as they might have for a British race where they would be familiar with the jockeys, right. the going the vagaries of the particular course so that's still an area in which we are very much looking to expand uh, into the american market and i would expect that to increase uh, in the uh, in forthcoming years
3: Uh, similarly i had a question about betting on american football is there a sizable market of punters as you put them in the uk or around the world that bet on american football
4: Absolutely. I still remember well going into a meeting um, with uh, the the then um, chief executive of William Hill that we used to meet with him every week and tell him what we were doing on the public relations front and the the new new bet front and uh, see what he thought of our ideas. And I remember going into a meeting with him and suggesting that we just start to take bets on American football um, he put his hand in his, his, his head in his hands and, and groaned and said, "I don't even understand which way the teams are kicking." Um, <laughs> and I said to him, "Well, <laughs> I said neither, neither do I. But the thing is that one of our major networks here, Channel Four Television, was just about to start showing, and I think it was literally one live match a week, um, and if, along with a highlights program." And I said, whenever there's, a li- there's live sport, there's got to be betting interest. And uh, we were finally given the go-ahead to do it on a trial basis. And we now turn over um, millions of, of pounds on on American football. And it's a, uh, an ever-growingly popular part of our portfolio as are baseball and basketball. So American sport is is very important to us.
3: Do you have betting parlors in Canada? And I'm wondering whether I can shoot up and place legal bets in betting parlors in uh, um, Montreal or New Brunswick or Quebec.
4: No, at the moment we don't. Um, I suspect it's because um, we don't want to stretch our resources too far by you know, trying to expand into countries willy-nilly. But I think we want to consolidate in the States and then look for other... Opportunities relatively nearby, and of course Canada would fit that okay. bill. I'm not entirely sure of the legalities of it at the moment, but it would uh, being you know particularly um, English speaking country apart from the you know, the part of French speaking. Um, you know that that's a market that we would be interested okay. in. We also recently moved, for example, into into Australia. So uh, yes, we are fair enough. But you're not the, there yet. The
3: Graham, we have really enjoyed having you here. I could talk a lot longer, and maybe we'll have you back another time to talk some more. Uh, Graham is the author of William Hill, The Man and the Business. Can people get that at Amazon.com?
4: They can, indeed, yes. Okay. And you can get it on on Kindle, on hardback, and on paperback.
3: Terrific. Well, thank you for joining us. A very entertaining 15 minutes. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Okay, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break. Here's how. Use offer code HOCRADIO, that's HOCRADIO, when you check out at ProCaliber.com or when ordering by phone at 24025POKER, 24025POKER, that's 2402576537. ProCaliber Poker Tables, stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to let you know about a newspaper in the New England area. If you're looking for poker tournaments or the latest promotions at Foxwoods, Mohegan Sun, Twin River, or if you want to find out what's happening in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, or other casinos around the country, then I recommend you check out New England Gaming News for all the latest news, events, and hot casino action from around the region. You can do that in one of two ways. You can either pick up their free copies at gambling venues throughout New England, or you can visit them at www.thenegn.com www.thenegn, and sign up for exclusive specials and promotions. That's www.thenegn.com. Www.thenegn, the New England Gaming News, New England's only resource for complete casino
1: So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. Hey, this is Dave Weishuttle from House
2: of Cards. With your House of Cards gaming report for the week of September 7th, 2015. In a surprising announcement, the Michigan Gaming Control Board believes that daily fantasy sports are not legal in the state. The report comes after a bill was introduced by Senator Curtis Hertel, which sought to exclude fantasy sports from the state's gaming law. It would be up to the state's attorney general whether to prosecute those engaging in daily fantasy sports. Churchill Downs announced last week that $18 million of upgrades to the track will begin late November. These include improvements to the track's premium seating areas, the 4th floor stakes room and clubhouse, as well as the 3rd floor turf club. Track officials believe this will increase the 2016 Derby Day reserve seating to over 58,600 reservations. And finally, the lawsuit between Phil Ivey and the Borgata is getting weird. The Borgata claimed that Ivy used defects in the cars to get an unfair advantage to win nearly $10 million. Ivy now claims, in papers filed with the court, that the Borgata is using an unfair advantage against gamblers to keep them at the tables longer. Namely, scantily clad waitresses and booze. Hey, waitresses, alcohol, and gambling are pretty much the only reasons I go to a casino. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio.
3: Hey, Jersey, GoldenNuggetCasino.com has got your number, and that number is 200, because we have over 200 online casino games, the most of any online casino in Jersey. And last year, we paid out over $200 million to our winners. Sign up now, and we'll give you up to $200 cash back as a welcome bonus, risk-free. GoldenNuggetCasino.com, for the little gambler in you.
1: Bet with your head not over and call 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a gambling problem. Players must be 21 or older. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the House of Cards. Casino said he wasn't much of a player. Why have a guy like that at your game? You obviously don't play poker. That's exactly why you want somebody like that at your game.
3: Hi, listeners. Welcome back to House of Cards we are talking with Ben Kowalski, who is the inventor of a new table game called Go For It. Ben, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Um, So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came up with this new table game?
5: All right. Well, I started um, dealing blackjack when I was 18 years old in upstate New York, and I've been in the industry ever since. I worked in the Bellagio in Las Vegas, and now I'm at uh, the lead casino shift manager at the Meadows in Washington, Pennsylvania. Um,
3: I can say, I gotta tell you, Ben, I, um, I read your bio. I have played poker in all the places you mentioned. In Seneca, Niagara, in Niagara Falls, at the Bellagio, at Turning Stone, and at the Meadows. So we have some so, common history.
5: So you would agree I have a diverse background in different markets, because they're very different, a lot of those places. So. um And the the rooms are all completely different, too, which is kind of cool. The Blasio is probably my favorite of those. Yes. Um, Yeah, so about a year and a half ago, um, one of the pit managers I work with came to me with an idea. Jeremiah, he's my business partner. And um, he had a rough idea of a table game based on a lower-score golf theme, but not really um, based on a game of golf, just kind of a golf theme that kind of flowed. And uh, I never really got into – thought I'd be a game inventor because – I don't know, I just, it was was never something that um, appealed to me, but, like, it was so different and such a um, cool idea. And it reminded me of a drinking game we actually played in college where you try to get a low-score, a four-card game. So we just kind of worked on it, um, did a provisional pan on our own, LLC on our own, and then we went out to Vegas a few months later and pitched it to the big licensing companies, and we were fortunate, really fortunate, in retrospect, to be picked up by Shuffle Master, which you guys know is probably is by far the biggest uh, um, distributor of these kind of games. Yeah,
3: Shuffle Master invented Let It Ride, and then they made money by renting their machines to casinos to spread the game, right?
5: Absolutely. They're the biggest uh, ones in the industry, and they picked our game up, which they don't, you know, if I knew how bad the odds were going into it, I probably wouldn't have invested a penny into it. But um, I'm glad I was naive back then, enough to not to take a shot, because it actually worked out. So, we're lucky, and the game just went live at the, the casino I work at, and um, it's been in about just over two weeks, and it's doing really well. It's get, picking up a lot of people that play different types of games, not just the poker-based uh, specialty games like Four Card and Let Ride, Mississippi, but it, people that have never tried these types of games are playing because it's not poker-based, so it's a little different than anything that's out there. And
3: um, so far, so good. So here's what always interests me: How does somebody go from saying, "Hey, I got a great idea for a game," to actually making money by selling a game? What are the steps?
4: Well,
5: the step, I mean, I guess everybody's path is different. And the, um, it's such a long shot. Like it seems easy. It seemed like a, like it was a cool idea and a fun game. We, we kind of, the, the rough idea came to me from my partner Jeremiah but the actual dealing mechanics were hard and because we're both industry guys in, in operations we knew like how many hands per hour were ideal and um... i basically went to wizard of odds i started calling these inventors and like uh, math guys from all around the country just cold calling people and seeing what worked and i wanted a basic kind of three card poker because that's like the king of these specialty games and i wanted to get our math like as close to that because it's already acceptable by people and the game was a cool idea and, and different so we you have to protect it so we protected it with a provisional patent that i did myself um which probably wasn't enabling but it gave me enough confidence to talk to people about the game and then before we went to pitch it we got with one of the big patent attorneys that doesn't specifies um specializes in table games patents and um he and gave us a really good thorough enabling patent so when we went to vegas and pitched it we were protected but then um a lot of people end up investing a lot of their own money in these games and they have to go to the casinos themselves and sell the game themselves. and It can get really costly, and it's hard to have people bite on a new concept. We're fortunate, like I said earlier, to present the game to these three licensing companies and have the biggest one bite, which you know they only do a couple times a year. And now they basically take it from you, and they just do everything. So we're there to support it, but as far as distributing it and coming up with the new artwork and following through on the um, intellectual property, um, Shuffle Master is taken over, which makes our life really easy. We just are basically at this stage are just rooting for it. Okay, so ever, like I said, everybody's path is different. A lot of people have to, you know, go on road trips and push the games themselves. And we have some other ideas coming down the pike, which you know we might have to do that if we don't get picked up. But we we got a a, a big break by by teaming up with them so
3: okay so i'm talking to ben kowalski who's the inventor of a new table game called go for it i just want to understand this in a little more detail so you pitch it to uh, shuffle master do they then decide to pay you a lump sum for all the rights and then you maybe help them out as far as marketing or do they say to you all right we'll do all this stuff and if we make money we give you a piece of the action how does that work and how much money are we talking about
5: well, to, unfortunately, we can't get into the details of the agreement because that's one of the, one of the things. Um,
3: well, I don't need to know the specific... Well, give me but, um, a rough idea every, of how it works.
5: Every deal is different. Um, so uh, you can get... There's, I'm sure there's royalty deals where you get a percentage of how the game does because the way this works is like the um, casinos pay for specialty games like a monthly lease fee, like a slot machine. There's lease games and there's games you can straight out buy. These types of games, they, they lease them and pay the distributor and if, if they have a royalty deal or they could pay you cash up front then I mean, there's all different kinds of things that they could do um like i said i can't get into our details unfortunately
3: well okay but, um, then let's it's not just it's
5: going to be life-changing life until the game really takes off so let's is, talk is just
3: hypothetically it. so if i created a game and i made a deal with um a b card company and uh, could i and the game is enormously successful Enormously successful. Could I, as the game inventor, expect to make over a million dollars, many multiples of a million dollars? I think,
5: yeah, like the guy that uh, invented three car poker, multi millionaire. He sold his game for millions, and there's the, the the huge hits out there. Those guys all did very well for themselves and don't have to work a day in their life.
3: So. I see. So you may have a future where you're not dealing and working at uh, the wonderful, beautiful Meadows <laughs> Casino in Cannonsburg.
5: I wouldn't give this up for anything. It's just for pure enjoyment that I work anyway.
3: So. Okay, fair enough. So tell, <laughs> tell us about the game. How do you play it?
5: Um, well, it's a four-card game, and like I said, it's not based on poker, which is, is really unique to these specialized games. So your goal, the basic way to explain it is you want to have a low score, like similar to the game of golf. The lower score you have, the, the better your hand is, the stronger hand you have. So um, – there's and there's three separate ways to bet. Uh, one bet's simple. If any aces you get, you get um, you get paid on that bet. Uh, one ace gets you two to one. Two aces five to one. Three aces fifty to one. And four aces a thousand to one. You have four cards. That basically, it's it's called the gopher bet. It's got like a uh, cute little gopher on the layout, which is kind of appealing.
3: Like Caddyshack? Um,
5: uh, kind of like Caddyshack. Well, the idea behind the, why I thought this would be a good idea is because if you look at slot machines 20 years ago, you, you're basically on real slot machines, like spinning sevens and things like that, and like um, video poker. Now, if you look at a slot floor, you have Tarzan machines, Sex and the City machines. You have all these different themes that are appealing to the entertainment gambler. and That's what we did with this game. We wanted to appeal to the people that just want a fun experience and be able to play for a couple hours on a couple hundred bucks, not the hardcore high-limit gambler that's going there for the pure rush. This is more of a of an entertainment game, and like we, I feel like themed games are coming to tables. Like tables always a little bit behind slots because you know they're not going to move in a bunch of furniture to try all these new ideas. But but golf's such a, a a widespread popular thing that we felt like it was a good theme. The little gopher things kind of a, kind of it's a little hokey, but it's neat, you know. So um, and it, the game's easy to understand. The cards, the, to figure out the strength of your hand, you don't have to know poker hands. You just need to know the pip value of the cards. Face cards are worth 10, aces are worth 1, and, and that's it. And you can total your hand just like in blackjack. So um... you end up with four cards. The gopher bet is based on your aces. There's a skins bet, which, like in a game of golf, if you're playing against somebody, um, and that's just you versus the dealer. If you have a lower score than the dealer, you get paid. If they have a, a lower score than you, you lose. Um, but the main bet is the um, front nine, back nine wager. And you get to view two of your cards, and if you have a good hand, you'll bet an additional bet, the back nine bet, and that, that's going to get you odds if you have a 24, uh, you'll get paid on 24 or less, which is par for the course, and um, the lower your hand you get, the the more odds you get. So if you have like a 14 through an 18, you get a birdie bonus 2 to 1, or if you have a a 9 through a 13 on your four-card hand, you get a 5-to-1, or an albatross would be like an 8 or less. You get a 25-to-1 bonus in the back.
3: Wow, so, so there's um, a little bit of skill?
5: There is. Um, you know, Wizard of Oz will tell you a 14 or lower is where you want to bet the back 9. Um, but I've talked to a player today that said, no, it's 12 or anything. Half of, a half of 24 is 12, so I'm going to only play it at 12. So he's not playing optimally, but, you know, whatever. And then there's people that want to take a shot and play it at 15. So there is a decision point, but um the expert you know Wizard of Oz would say fourteen or lower
3: and what is the house advantage for the person playing optimally
5: um on the front nine back nine it's one point eight one, which is really good
3: for a specialty game yeah, and what about the other bets
5: the uh, skin's bet's four three seven because uh, the the way the house has to have an edge on that bet. If it's just you versus the dealer, we have to win the pushes. So the house wins pushes about four point three seven percent of the time. So but that's a bet with a high win frequency. So on the skins bet, a player's winning forty seven point eight four percent. So in their mind that's a great bet. They're thinking it's a fifty fifty bet.
3: Okay, and what about the um the other gopher bet?
5: The gopher there's two pay tables out there. We use a um there's a four point three five house advantage and then there's one that's just under two, I believe, that I haven't seen out yet. But um, they have a couple options for the gopher bet, but the one, the popular one is 4.35. So and with the, and it's got a 28% hit, hit frequency. A lot of people, the lowest payout is two to one. And a lot of people think, you know, you're getting four cards chance getting Aces are pretty good. So,
3: yeah, this sounds like a game that is very well devised to both engage the player, making them feel that they have a decent chance of winning. Also, there is a bet that is, pretty close to Baccarat, which to me you don't want to have anything mm-hmm. closer than Baccarat. One point eight one, that's that's not too much, that's better than Roulette. That's better than most people playing blackjack unless you're a perfect strategy right. guy. Um but there's also enough house advantage so that the casinos are going to make decent money on this. This sounds like a well devised game, Ben. Good job.
5: Well it was the thing, I appreciate it. And it was designed for the entertainment gambler that's gonna get a couple hours of play out of it. So, um, great. Well, we I hope we you have, come out
3: we, uh, all over the country. I can't wait to see you out east where I am and then out in B- the Bellagio and maybe up at the rivers up in uh, Pittsburgh and Turning Stone and Seneca and then down in Florida, all those rooms in Tunica, Mississippi, and all over the country. It would be great, Ben. I wish you well.
5: That would be great. I'll be at the, in the Bobby's room at the Bellagio playing poker, I think.
3: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in a couple of years when the game go- skyrockets. I wish you well. Thanks, buddy. All I right. appreciate it. That was Ben Kowalski, the inventor of Go For It, coming to a casino near you sometime soon, we hope. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with another guest.
2: Can you believe it? The NFL regular season is finally here, and it's your last chance to join Fanduel before opening weekend. Look, everyone's doing fantasy football, and the way I do it is Fanduel.com. It's not just for huge sports nuts. This is for every fan. Anyone and everyone can play on Fanduel. Fanduel is a leader in Week One fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They are paying out over $75 million a week this football season. And building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1, so anyone can play. FanDuel has become part of my Sunday morning ritual. Checking out injury status and availability of players, something you can't do in those season-long fantasy leagues. But with FanDuel, you can change your team every week. That means more chances to win. So, have you built your team for Week One yet? Let me know who's on your squad on Twitter at HOC Radio and use the hashtag FanduelIsBack. That's all one word: hashtag FanduelIsBack. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use my code HOC and sign up now. Now there's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to 200 bucks. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code HOC today, so don't forget to use my code HOC. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Sign up today using my code H-O-C. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need.
1: You're listening to the House of Cards. I have three jacks and two sixes. What's that called again? A full house. What a cute name. A full house. Is that good? Yes, that means you win. (gasps) Again. (laughs) Oh God, this is almost
2: embarrassing. What is that? Five in a row? What a lovely watch.
3: Hi, listeners. Welcome back. This is Ashley Adams. Uh, you're listening to House of Cards. My favorite segment, the mailbag segment, where I'm joined by my handsome producer, Dave Weishaddle. Dave, you are looking especially Thank handsome you. today. I,
2: uh, actually, we're both in white shirts, so they're very wow. casual. How about that? It's, well, hey, I'm from white a doesn't school. Mean casual. Mean, it
3: doesn't? You're casual. You're wearing a kind shorts. of a knit shirt. North I'm wearing a dress, dress shirt. shirt. Well, you have your tie off. Button down. I have my tie off. That's true. Yeah, there you go. So. Well, I'm glad we settled there that. There we go. What do you have <laughs> Stimulating for Stimulating radio. Once again. Hey, it's uh, 415 <laughs> here in New York City. Yeah, what do you but, Hey, I just want to remind
2: everyone if you have a question for us for our mailbag, you can get a hold of us at info at houseofcardsradio.com. You can tweet us at HOC Radio. And if you leave a message or a text, you can reach us at House of Cards Hotline at six oh nine four seven four HOCR. What's that number again? That number again is six oh nine four seven four four six two seven. And anyone who gets a question that's right on the air gets a 2015
3: party poker baseball hat. You know, I'm thinking of changing the rules of House of Cards. Maybe have people give us answers. There you go, and we'll come up yeah. with the questions, <laughs> like the jeopardy of talk radio on poker. You'll, You'll have come to, up with yes. answers, and we'll come up with the questions. Who's that?
2: Carson used to
3: do that. Yeah, well, they had the, great, the answers first. The great. Uh, I, I remember that the name. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, that was yeah. the notion of jeopardy. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, please and, put and, that in the form of a question. <laughs> You're laughing. That wasn't funny at all. I I think it was. I think it was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dave, you card
2: you. What do you have? Well, we actually have a comment and a question. Okay. From JP in Andover, Massachusetts. Oh, Andover. Yeah. He writes, so... Well, I should... Shouldn't say he, I don't know if JP is. So happy there's a show like House of Cards for the poker geeks out here. I'm always learning new wrinkles of the game. I often have questions for some of the more esoteric aspects of the game, and it's great to have a source like HOC to consult.
3: Gosh, he's right. Ah, Yeah, boy,
2: brilliant. And now the question. I recently learned that some card rooms will penalize a player for folding their check option. Why would a poker room impose a penalty if a player does this? I suspect it is to prevent collusion. But are there any
3: other reasons? Well, the rules are that you're not supposed to fold out of turn. Okay. But I've never heard a rule that says you can't fold even if it's your option to check. Yeah, i What never. he's describing is a player fold. Basically, checking out is the phraseology okay. that you use at the poker table. And dealers that I've played with will even say, when the guy, it's his turn to bet or check, will say, I fold. And the dealer will say, often with a slight smile, checking out. And the guy continues to fold and it's the next guy's turn. I've never seen anyone penalized. What penalty? I mean if it's a well, tournament that, that's my question. I, I've if never it's a tournament yeah. you could be penalized, I so. suppose, but um I, I don't think it's against the TDA rules, but I'm not certain I'd have yeah. to consult my, my rule book.
2: Now, when they say penalized, what are some of the penalties oh, someone s- could impose? They're so.
3: sitting out penalties. Oh, okay. in, uh, it used to be that you would sit out for a certain period of time. You could, you'd get a timeout. But more recently... <laughs> you'd
2: get a timeout, really? Seriously. Like a kid to sit in your corner. And
3: well, no, no, on. you're not allowed to play. Mm-hmm. And yep. the problem is that if you can't play, you can't keep up with the you know, chip stacks get going up. Yep. And if you can't play for, let's say... An hour, you're going to be blinded down maybe to a critical level. So, But because there had been collusion to diminish the seriousness of a penalty by having all the other players play really slowly. Mm -hmm. So if you said, well, you have a 10-minute timeout, and if people are stalling, it could mean not even a full hand. They've changed it to a round or two rounds or three or four rounds that you have to sit out that's how the penalties are now.
2: When JP mentioned collusion in the question, I was assuming it's tournaments. But I'm assuming I guess it could go for cash games as well. I'm
3: trying to imagine how you, that's that's why I was thinking it's tournament. You could be mm-hmm. colluding by having you fold instead of check. Uh, my s- cheating skills are not sophisticated to know how I could with a partner give him an advantage by folding instead of checking. Unless by so folding I'm sending a signal but i i can't imagine that you
2: mentioned timeout penalties I know, other than yeah. being thrown out what is the worst penalty you've ever seen a player get and for what in your card room experience
3: uh i've seen a player banned but Ooh, that's th- wow <laughs> banned completely yeah. forever from there oh, i don't know if it was forever he oh. was kicked out and told and they they have like a year or something i saw a player do that for abusing a dealer um i've seen v-
2: verbally or physically or
3: Throwing cards. Oh, I love that. Throwing I love cards. brawl
2: stories like that. Yeah. <laughs> anything, anything else? Just, uh... um,
3: I'm trying to think. Nope. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I, I, of course, have been kicked out of a poker room, but we've told that story many times. But you, yours was legitimate. I mean, you're, you're, you're,
2: you're a reporter and you ask questions. Right.
3: My, the throwing out was illegitimate. That's right. Oh no! But what you did, was, what I did, was, was legitimate. perfectly legitimate. Absolutely, but, yeah. I was thrown out improperly, which is why I will never go back to that casino. So I guess that'll do it. That'll do it. Thanks. Uh, make sure to come back next week for more House of Cards. Boy.